Show your patriotism with the flag from the United States Flag Service. They offer premium, high-quality flags that are made in the USA. Whether it's the grand old flag, your favorite military flag, or a historical flag, celebrate your freedom with the flag from the United States Flag Service. Go to usflagservice.com. That's usflagservice.com to see their selection of available flags. And then call 1-800-USA-FLAG to purchase your flag today. USA Flag Service. Fly your flag for freedom. Now, the Jen Charlton Show on 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Telling it like it is with your host, Jen Charlton. Good morning and welcome. It's so great to have you all here today. I have been involved with several different groups, as you know, looking at election integrity. That's one way of saying it. I like to say election fraud because it did happen. And dealing with what is really going on. And frankly, where are we in the process for prosecuting people who have violated not only the law, but they have infringed on your rights and your votes by watering down the power of your vote. In other words, if 100,000 people voted, but then 25,000 bogus votes were infused into the system, that is called voter suppression. So your vote and mine gets suppressed by the number of votes that are infused into the pot of votes. And so often what we're finding is these voter rolls are inaccurate. And for all of you who are listening today, something you can do is start to look at your precinct. You know, how do you eat an elephant? One toe at a time. you got to chunk it out. And how you can do that is by drilling down to the precinct level where it's among you and your neighbors and the people you are in the community with. And you know them. Or you know people who know them because it's a tight-knit community, right? So within a precinct, you can drill down and get to the details of who's living at what address. And if you look at these voter rolls, you might start to see some anomalies. For example, if a townhouse has 20 registered voters, that would be a red flag, wouldn't it? So these are the things that people who have been digging into election integrity and election fraud have been working on for the past three years. Once we woke up to this notion that we had unfair elections and Wes Moore has been, along with Hogan and others of note in Maryland, calling people like me an election denier, which is incredibly ignorant on their part because what it shows is, frankly, their true colors. So when fraud happens in anything else other than elections, it's an all stop, isn't it? I mean, if you have fraud happening at your place of business or fraud happening at the county seat or fraud happening wherever, it's an all-stop. You go to work on it, you figure out what's going on, and you, you stop the nonsense. In elections, apparently, it's allowed to continue. So we're dealing with fraud being tolerated and, frankly, overlooked and perhaps perhaps even advocated by parties 
who have a particular agenda. So if you roll this out as a conspiracy across the country, and again, we've talked about conspiracies. They really are facts that come together that lead you to believe something. Okay. So if you look at it across the country, therefore, there is a possibility that there's a network with an intention behind it that is not good for our country. And it violates your rights and mine. And if you stack the Congress, then you get into things that start to erode your constitutional rights and finances, as we are seeing in this O'Biden administration. So it has tremendous, tremendous impact when these elections are fraudulent. So I thought I would reach out to somebody. So when we come back, I'm going to have with me Kate Sullivan, who's an has become an expert on local Maryland politics and voting, and she's going to give us some insight on what she has seen through this process. You're listening to The Jen Charlton Show on WFMD. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sweeties on the Creek, we're scooping now, and U.S. Flag Service, great quality flags that will stand the test of time and fly high and mighty. We'll be right back. When was the last time you had freshly made ice cream or candy? Sweeties on the Creek offers a wide selection of fresh, creamy ice cream made with natural flavors. Stop in for a new fun flavor or a classic yummy favorite perched on a freshly made waffle cone. Just in, Sweeties has a huge assortment of candy, including freshly made in-store delicious chocolates. Your young ones will love all the plush toys and fun gifts, too. Sweeties on the Creek, just up for Market Street. We're scooping now. Welcome back. This is Jen, and I have with me today Kate Sullivan, a hero in the work here in Maryland and really has been a leader in digging into what's really been going on in our elections at the local jurisdictional levels. And I just am so proud of the work this team is doing across the state. Good morning and welcome to the Jen Charlton Show, Kate. It's so great to have you here. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me, Jen. So, Kate, I want first to kind of give people a sense. I mean, your leadership is fantastic. You've done a lot of work in the campaign arena where you've had volunteers and you've been able to corral people for a particular project and have been extremely successful in that. And you took those talents and and God, I think, nudged you a little bit into the direction of working on election fraud. And thank God you did, because uh, you've done such a tremendous service for all Marylanders about this. And frankly, I think a lot of the work that you're doing and people like you across the country, are, are, this is good for America. So it's uh, it's one person, one vote at a time to try and save our country. Um, tell me a little bit about why did you get into election fraud? I mean, what was it that called to you? Well, that's an easy question to answer. (laughs) Uh, January 7th of 2021, when I saw the vitriol with which people were receiving the events of January 6th and people questioning, daring to question what I felt was obviously a stolen election, uh, I decided, well, I, I really don't know enough about this to fight it. You have to, in anything, you have to understand a game. You have to know the players. 
and you have to understand the landscape. So I dove in and tried to learn as much as I could. And uh, that started with attending Board of Elections meetings and really actually forging a relationship with the Board of Elections to make sure that my criticisms were informed. And from there, it just led to so many other areas. But I will also say just one thing here. Um, it is actually election accuracy. That is the word. That is the phrase. That is the term that everyone needs to be repeating over and over again, because that's what we're fighting for. There is no such thing as election integrity. Elections don't have integrity. People have integrity. Elections must be accurate because there are only two kinds of elections. They are either accurate or they are invalid. So we are out here working every day, literally every day, to come up with enough evidence to hold these people accountable. And by people, I mean uh, elected officials, I mean election officials, because it's the only way it's gonna move forward. I love the distinction you know, accurate or invalid. I mean, it is either or. It's really that simple. When you look at the election uh, boards, the people who are working as staff in these election offices, yeah. how much do you think, gut instinct, they are privy to the antics and the conspiracy to defraud the American voters of their voice in the election process? At a local level, I have seen no, absolutely no evidence of these local Board of Election uh, officials having anything to do with it other than a total naive trust in their process. At a state level, I think that there are a handful, I don't think the entire state board, but I think there's a handful that know exactly what they're doing and they are as corrupt as they come. They have committed malfeasance and that is what we are out to prove. But additionally, yes, malfeasance, but we're also out there to make sure that they're following their processes correctly and not having such a blind trust in processes that were developed in an environment that didn't involve wide-scale mail-in ballots. These people out there, and I won't name one party or another, want mail-in ballots. Well, guess what? If you want mail-in ballots, we have to revamp the entire system. It's going to require a lot more look at the processes that are in place if they want mail-in ballots. Because I will tell you what, what we're seeing, mail-in ballots are the number one culprit for the corruption. Okay, that's the worst case scenario. But the incompetence, just on a benign level, it's, it's, the, it's just incompetence because it's impossible to keep up with. Well, and I think most people are in agreement at this point. We're not in a position to do that systematic overhaul because one we don't trust the equipment which is being produced often by our adversaries who have an interest in seeing our decline like china 
Uh, much of this equipment is produced over there. We know that they say it doesn't connect to the Internet, right. and that's a lie. You know, and I say they, they being U.S. people, not China. The U.S. people have said it's not connected to the Internet, and yet it is, the system. And so they're flat out lying about it. So it's totally unacceptable. I think we have to take the equipment out of the equation and go back to hand-tallied, hand-filled-out, hand-processed with oversight, out in the open, in full view, with cameras rolling, so that everybody knows exactly what happened. Hand-counted paper ballots at a precinct level is the remedy that we're looking for. But unfortunately, we have miles to go before we sleep on that one. So just hold off on asking for that, because what we really need to do is prove that their system isn't working. So that is where we are headed. We have, yes, there are machines. And the very good news for everyone listening is the machines are a fool's errand. They are something we need to put off just for a little bit, because the good news is the low-hanging fruit is to prove that our voter rolls are a mess, which they are. They are provably a mess. And if you can and think I think it's intentional, Kate, if I may, yeah. I think it's intentional. I think that, yes, I think that there is sort of a fog of war that they like to create with having a system of voter rolls that have just a whole host of issues. They have dead voters on them. They have the vast majority of people who have moved. That's a problem. And, you know, the main thing you have to realize with the voter rolls is they have a, an affirmative duty to maintain the accuracy of the voter rolls. That is black letter election law. So that is where we come in. We have a system we have a canvas that is underway, and we are collecting the violations that exist on our current voter rolls. For example, we have roughly 51,000 violations, that's individual records that are not appearing properly as they should on the voter rolls. Okay, so let me just take it, since you brought up the data, where oh, are those 51,000 violations? Are they strictly in Baltimore County where you're located? In every single 24 jurisdictions, in every jurisdiction. And when we were, we started with a forensic analysis of their, of the official Maryland voter roll database. Okay, we purchased the official Maryland voter roll database. We ran through a forensic analysis. These are people who do this for a living. They know how to look at data, and they uncovered the various ways that these registrations are invalid. Then what we did is we took a subset, one area that we wanted to particularly look at, and we created a randomized, scientifically randomized list that teams in all 24 jurisdictions took off to canvas that list a list of 383 registrations. What do you mean by canvas? That is when somebody, as is their right to do, despite what the media might tell you, a canvas is when a citizen attempts to verify a voter roll. Meaning, if Kate Sullivan says she lives at 123 Flower Drive, it's important that we all know and verify that Kate Sullivan lives at 123 Flower Drive. So how do you do that? You walk up 
to 123 Flower Drive. You knock on the door. You ask for Kate Sullivan. And you say, hello, my name is Jane Doe. And I am here as a citizen to verify your voter registration in light of the upcoming 2024 election. They will answer, and they do most often answer quite happily because there are people concerned out there, and they love the fact that there are citizens out there making sure our voter rolls are accurate. And the conversation goes like this. It's super simple. We've now verified your address. We've now verified your name. We see that you voted in the 2020 election. We would like to verify that you did. And some will say yes, and unfortunately, many will say no. And so in other words, there was a vote registered in their name that they did not cast. Yes, that is exactly right. And we are tracking at about 14% of the people that we've spoken to. They are listed as having voted, but they have not voted. Now, that is just one data point, Jen. There are plenty, many more have moved. That tends to be a little less of a crime. It's not a crime that they haven't updated their registration. However, it does reflect that the voter rolls are inaccurate. Inaccuracies can be a whole wide variety of things. Some are against the law and some are just negligence, but they both matter because in a mail-in environment, just so I can explain it to people, If you think that's not a big deal, what you have to understand is that universal mail-in voting means that sometime around the election, the Board of Election is going to send out a live ballot to an address that may or may not be accurate or to a registration where the voter may have already moved. That becomes a ballot that somebody can steal. That becomes a registration that somebody can steal. If you have, if the Board of Election has not updated a registration to reflect that that voter has died and it's still on the rolls, that means anybody with ill intent can come knowing that that person died, can take that ballot, they can vote with that ballot, and they'll never be discovered because the person's dead. So there'll only be one vote. Whereas if the person were alive, then there might be a double vote. And one thing I can say that the boards of elections do very well is they count the ballots that come in to the precinct. But see, what they don't understand is it's garbage in, garbage out. If the ballots that are coming in are false, then it's fraudulent votes. And you began your show talking about these, you know, when a fraudulent vote exists, The word we were looking for is dilution. My vote is diluted when somebody who votes twice or fraudulently votes. My vote, my honest vote is diluted. I just want to mention that part of the fraudulent acts can be electronic. In other words, it can be using that ID and identify that person electronically And flip that vote or use that vote or apply that ID to a preferred outcome called Biden versus Trump. Right. I'm going to give it to Biden. Okay. So they could assign an ID value to the preferred outcome that they want, the installed leadership that they're looking to achieve. So that's one way they can do it. The other way is they can literally take that printed ballot 
if it was mailed to a post office box, which is illegal, but it's happening, or That's if it's right. mailed to a an apartment complex where you have 30 people registered to vote out of one two-bedroom apartment, right? Uh, they take those ballots, fill them in to the desired result for the installed leadership that they're choosing based on their agenda. And by the way, somebody told them to do it. This is not... Joe Schmo saying, you know what, I'm going to do this on my own. This is an orchestrated, organized, corrupt network of people. There's no way one off is doing this in, you know, this corner over here and one off is doing this in, in this corner over here of the state. They are networked together to, desi- to achieve a desired outcome called install the leadership we want. So that's why there's a RICO case my listeners have heard a lot about called, which is a Gibson v. Maryland. You know, it's a racketeering case. So everybody, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Jen Charlton Show. I have with me today Kate Sullivan, and we'll be right back. Free Talk, 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Jen, and I have with me today Kate Sullivan, who has just been a hero on the whole election integrity and election accuracy issue. And so, Kate, I want to go to, we're covering a lot of ground here, and I really am so excited to go over this with you. I think it would be helpful for your listeners to have a little bit of an idea of what the actual strategy is, because there's a lot of, you know, information out there. Everybody knows what's being done and, you know, what's being stolen and whether it's the machines or the registrations or the the, the drop boxes. But everybody keeps asking, okay, but what are we going to do about it? So that's, I I was going to share with your your listeners on, on the strategy that's currently in place in Maryland. Sure, please. Okay, so we are working with a national organization called United Sovereign Americans, USA, and that strategy is summarized very quickly by understanding that we're in the process of creating a scorecard. So we are compiling all the various violations that have been inflicted on our voter rolls And remember, we're focused on the voter rolls because that is the easiest way to hold everyone accountable, meaning machines, board of elections, um, because, again, you have to remember garbage in, garbage out. We clean up the rolls, you solve 90 percent of the problems because the machines are only as fraudulent as the rolls will allow them to be. So we look we're focused on the rolls, compiling the violations And as running alongside that is a a statewide canvas and sort of an offset of that canvas has come to our attention, this audit that was released last week. So I would definitely also like to um, cover what happened last week with the the fake audit. I think someone called it the fraud it. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's cover it. Let's cover the fraud it. Tell us about it. So last week, uh, a few articles kept circulating across uh, our phones about how the state board of election had done their due diligence and they had had this audit that they released and it uncovered a few areas of weaknesses and look at them and look at us and really anyone who's been involved in this this movement knows takes one look at this audit and sees that it is wildly inaccurate wildly inadequate 
So we decided to issue a press release in response to the audit. Um, I can give you a, a, a brief just for those that didn't see the press release, just as a small sample, the State Board of Election, they issued this audit report. And yet, what we found immediately, they claimed, for example, they were patting themselves on the back about correcting the fact that 327 potential duplicate records had been found. That's what they claimed on their rolls. Well, we immediately, red flag, looked in our data, which we've been looking at for months now, and by the way, asking them to respond. And we have on our record three times that amount at 1,021 duplicate records. That is an incredibly big problem because a duplicate record, again, allows an, a, a, a runway for fraud. If you have a duplicate record out there, that means any old Joe Schmo can come be aware of that and use your record to vote. And by the way, these people that records being stolen, they don't know it's happening. You know, when we, for example, knock on the door of a, of a registered voter, we're not blaming them for stealing a vote. We're actually there to let them know their vote's been stolen. It's always that they, they have no clue. These are innocent people, which is why we have had to respond. People saying, oh, you're knocking on door to intimidate voters and to do investigations on that voter. That is absolutely not what we're doing. In, in not one case are we knocking on the door to investigate that voter. We're knocking on the door to investigate the registration and make sure that the registration has not been stolen. The only way to do that is to ask the voter if they voted and, well, confirm that they voted. And if they say they didn't vote, we now know their registration was stolen. Um, so back to the audit. We also Just out of curiosity, yeah. in a situation like that where somebody finds out from you that, you know, they couldn't vote last time, they were out of town, out of country, whatever it was, and they feel so bad, they missed their vote. And then they find out somebody voted in their name. First of all, it's I think it's identity theft. That's one thing. But two, uh, it's obviously a voter fraud issue. How do they feel? What reactions do you get from people? Are they upset? No, they're not. They're so detached from the process because you have to understand i mean i don't i do not know this as a fact but i'm going to take an incredibly educated guess that those who are targeted are people who don't vote they are people the the, the thieves are smart they take people who traditionally don't vote and they target those people. So these are people already disengaged. They're not really a part of it. They feel for whatever reason, there's no point in voting again in America. And so, and they gave up long ago. I mean, most of these people haven't voted in 20 years. So they don't really care. Doesn't that put their, doesn't that put their vote, in, their voter ID in an inactive status? It should, but it doesn't. That's why we targeted this list because they were active. There was no good reason for these people to be active. They haven't voted in 20 years. And then suddenly they voted in 2020, 
fine. We were willing to accept that it was a contentious election and people might, you know, engage after decades of disengagement. However, what was the tip off that was unusual is that then suddenly nine months later, they went back to inactive status, which it's really too long and complicated to get into exactly why that's a red flag. But trust us, that's a very, very strange uh, registration behavior. It would indicate that somebody flipped the registration on and off. And that is an indication of people using registrations to steal votes. So okay, let me ask you a question about elderly on that note. Okay. Uh, infirmed they're they're uh, so in some cases they they they've lost their mental acuity and they're oh. unable to make that kind of a decision or choice kate what happens are you have you done any canvassing in in these elderly homes well by default so just so you understand the canvas was was the beauty of this canvas is that it's statistically randomized, so it is completely without bias. We didn't target. We didn't target a demographic. No, we did. No, we we didn't target demographic okay. at okay. all. There was not one demographic, other than the fact that we started with a universe of what we felt to be suspicious registrations based on that um, metric that I outlined before about the inactive active status. So we started with that universe and we whittled it down to a statistically randomized sample, which can then be turned over all the evidence that we were are to collect we would then be able to admit into a court of law. That's sort of the game plan. And so therefore we don't, you know, we had, of course, in our travels, in our canvassing, we did come across elderly. We had, in fact, one in um, Anne Arundel County was um, infirm. She couldn't speak. And the husband informed us that someone in the last election had showed up to pick up her ballot. Well, that's interesting because the husband didn't know really who it was, couldn't tell us if they had come from a specific group. And that, not to get too far off track, but it does lead back to how illegal drop boxes could possibly be. Because imagine this, when you have legalized harvesting in Maryland, as it is, it's, it's, it is absolutely legal to ballot harvest in Maryland. It is within the law. There's a very clearly delineated process to collect ballots or ballot harvest or ballot assistance, however you want to look at it. It's legal in Maryland. However, it is the fact that it's legal is, is really going to help our case because, because it's legal, there's a very clearly delineated process. You have to be, you have to have that voter sign an agency form. If they aren't going to be able to fill out the ballot and you're going to assist them with filling out the ballot, you need to be certified through the voter. So it's a form. You sign here, you sign there. It's a process. Then the very- Essentially, clear- if I may, let me cut in. Essentially- you're giving them your proxy. They are Absolutely. a proxy, right? Yep. Yes. So you're, it's a very clear process. By the way, black letter law in our election law, okay? So you've got now, because I'm at your door collecting your ballot, helping you fill it out, doing it the right way, I'm asking you to sign this form. Well, here's the last step that we now know is no way being followed, which is that they collect the form, they 
attach it to the ballot. And on the form it says, and you must, you must take those ballots to the board of election and show your face. You know, I have collected this ballot and I have now, here is the form and here is the ballot. Well, guess what? These three people, we happen to know three, are saying that someone collected their ballot and they just collected it. They didn't sign a form. They didn't have them sign a form. They were led to believe because people are ignorant. They, they, some think, oh yeah, Maryland's a, is a, um, you know, it's, it's legal to collect ballots, to ballot harvest. So they don't know the process. So they just give their ballot to any old Joe Schmo shows up at their door. And guess what that Joe Schmo does? They don't go into the board of election. They throw them in the drop box. So we have reason to believe that these drop boxes are in the process of a massive, flagrant violation of chain of custody. Well, and chain of custody is huge. Yeah, chain of custody is huge. And the other thing about chain of custody is you have to have the signature validation. You have to be Mm -hmm. able to say this person with this ballot approved it with this signature, especially on the mail-ins, or you had no audit capacity to ensure that they are legitimate. But I want to go back to something you you said about these drop boxes. Yeah. Hogan expanded them. He <laughs> added dozens and dozens and dozens of boxes across the state. They were everywhere. In fact, Maryland had so many for a tiny little state. We exceeded some of the bigger states. It kills me. Shame on him. And, it, and it's, it's particularly ludicrous as somebody who has studied this law, like just backwards, forwards, upside down, because I was incredulous. I thought I must be missing something. The only, the only piece that I can find that lends itself and don't laugh and lends itself to the fact that it might be legal is that they did it. Meaning I think to myself as an honest citizen, well, gee, they couldn't do it if it weren't like this. It couldn't be this illegal. And for them to do it, it is illegal. There is absolutely no way that a Dropbox is legal. It is a flagrant violation of chain of custody. I cannot, for the life of me, figure out how they're getting away with the bill of goods that's selling people. It's it, it's not okay to have a Dropbox. I mean, that's not the, the I mean, that really isn't the focus of my fight. Although, trust me, it's it's a case that's building in my head and it'll be another thing. The main piece that we're working on right now is building this scorecard. So everybody, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to have Kate Sullivan explain the scorecard. You're listening to The Jen Charlton Show. We'll be right back. When was the last time you had freshly made ice cream or candy? Sweeties on the Creek offers a wide selection of fresh, creamy ice cream made with natural flavors. Stop in for a new fun flavor or a classic yummy favorite perched on a freshly made waffle cone. Just in, Sweeties has a huge assortment of candy, including freshly made, in-store delicious chocolates. Your young ones will love all the plush toys and fun gifts, too. Sweeties on the Creek, just up from Market Street. We're scooping now.
Welcome back to the Jen Charlton Show. I have with me today Kate Sullivan, and this has been a fantastic show, Kate, to really explain the nuts and bolts and get very specific. This has been my frustration. There's a lot of people working on this, but it's been it's lived in kind of the esoteric. So yeah. you're getting into the nuts and bolts. Kate, tell us about the scorecard. The scorecard, we believe, will be the magic bullet that everybody's been waiting for. Because when you are going up against these boards of elections. I think that anyone who's been in this fight, something very very familiar to them, is the board of elections will say to you, when you offer up a registration that somebody's moved or something that was a process that wasn't followed properly, they're always pointing up to the state or they're always washing their hands of any you know form of accountability. The scorecard is that accountability we've been waiting for. In one sheet, we are listing the multitude of violations that are tied directly to black letter law. So what does that mean? That means that we will take evidence to the Board of Elections, to a judge, saying these are the violations that we see in our voter rolls that should the election take place today, you would have no choice but to call it invalid. Because what did I say? We have two kinds of elections. We have accurate elections or we have invalid elections. And that is really, Maryland, by the way, is one of the few states, believe it or not, that if there is proof that any piece of the process is invalid, they can decertify an election. Right. So what I'd like to say is that this scorecard will be in the hands of Maryland citizens, any Maryland citizen who knows somebody that should see the evidence. That's a central committee member. That is somebody who is maybe friends with the Board of Election, a a good, honest Board of Election uh, official or an elected representative, a delegate, a senator. Right. We have to get this scorecard in front of everyone because we have two processes that are in place. We have to build support from the citizens in advance of taking them to court. And I mentioned earlier, we're part of a national effort. The beauty of our national effort is that we have 27 other states that are doing the exact same thing. We are branded exactly the same. So. When they go to court, we will be going to federal court. It'll be a federal court case. We don't know that Maryland will be the one to bring the case. We're all preparing for that possibility, but it doesn't have to be Maryland bringing the case. If it's a federal court case, then the ruling would be on a federal level. That's the magic behind our strategy. And we do believe because we've tied every violation to black letter law, and in some cases it's super simple stuff. I mean, I think the way we got connected, Jen, is you heard me on um, a call the other night talking about the 8,455 registered voters who do not have a verified mailing address. That's something you're going to see on the scorecard. 831 registered voters who have listed as their, as their address a UPS, a FedEx, a P.O. box. 177 individuals under the age of 18 who voted in the last several elections. 
These are summer set. That's a sexy stat. Like that's, that's real violation. But you know, the 8,455, that's just, they're not maintaining their roles, which makes your roles inaccurate, which makes your val- your elections invalid. This is fantastic. Just first of all, really thank you for coming on and being available to share this information. What can we ask of the voters? The first thing I think is we need to get their help to clean up the voter rolls. What can voters do that are listening? They absolutely must attend their local board of elections. And I strongly recommend attending the state board of elections. I also recommend being election judges. Uh, being election judges will ensure that process proper processes are in place. I also recommend that people get involved with their local central committees and become trained in ballot assistance because we have to get our ballots collected and we need to be out there because when we're out there, then they won't be, they'll see us out there. And I do really firmly believe that if we're out there collecting ballots as we are allowed to do, and we would do it the proper way with the right form signed, if we collect those ballots, then they can't be collected incorrectly. That's a great point. I want to also say that at some point, your scorecard and these violations need to make it to the hands of the sheriffs. Oh, the sheriffs have absolutely the sheriffs have a duty. And in my opinion, And I love our sheriffs, but at this point in Maryland, they have not stepped forward and tackled this. And in any other fraud situation, if it were reported, they would have gotten involved. But they're so reluctant because it's elections and they're elected. So there's there's a wonkiness about it where it really has to supersede their own election status. Well, I, I really want to interject on something very important, though, that you yeah. just said. This is actually different from any other time that we have, quote, questioned an election process. Remember, Jen, this is happening in advance of the 2024 election. That's our goal. We're holding them accountable in advance of it. So the sheriff can do a wonderful thing by ensuring that everything is in order before the election, that confidence in the election process is restored before the election. That w- We are not in the business of questioning elections and trying to get them overturned. That is a fool's errand. We will not be doing that. This time, we are learning from ourselves, and we are going to make sure that our ship is in order before the election. That's what this strategy is all about. So I just thank you all so much for everything you're doing. Please pass along to your team how much oh, wonderful. Yes, myself and our listeners appreciate your hard efforts. We really are watching, and we, and we do appreciate. And, and it's a way also, Maryland Voter Integrity Group, everyone, is uh, Robin Sachs. She's been on the show with me many times. It's an, a, a great vehicle to follow what's going on. And you can really get in the weeds and down a rabbit hole. So that's why I'm trying to bring you this information so that you we can kind of cut through it. But you need to be apprised of what's going on. So watch your voter rolls. Look after your people if they are elderly. Make sure that their vote 
their ballots are not being misappropriated and get involved in the in the voter roll cleanup so that we can uh, make sure that, you know, the proper vote goes to the proper person because that's what we said we wanted. The, the, the other thing I want to say is if you moved, make sure you go back and clean up your voter ID. So if you lived in Florida and you now live in Maryland, make sure you remove yourself from the Florida ballot and put yourself in the Maryland ballot. you got to clean up both sides. If you move within the state and you move from Baltimore County to Talbot County, make sure that you cancel your Baltimore County registration and you are properly registered in Talbot County. This is incumbent upon you and I as the voter. All right, everybody, you're listening to The Jen Charlton Show. Thank you, Kate Sullivan. Thank you for the great work you're doing. Pass along our love and appreciation. Everybody, please pass this this information out to other people so that we can share it to others and inform them so that we can make a difference and stop the election fraud and inaccuracy that's been happening. Have a great week. We'll see you next Saturday morning right here on WFND. When was the last time you had freshly made ice cream or candy? Sweeties on the Creek offers a wide selection of fresh, creamy ice cream made with natural flavors. Stop in for a new fun flavor or a classic yummy favorite perched on a freshly made waffle cone. Just in, Sweeties has a huge assortment of candy, including freshly made in-store delicious chocolates. Your young ones will love all the plush toys and fun gifts, too. Sweeties on the Creek, just up from Market Street. We're scooping now.